Hello everybody, this is Hunter Sanson with Trad Archery and Everything Outdoors. Uh, I know it's been a while since I've done a podcast. Uh, I've been working, been going to school, uh, getting my thing done. Uh, not really had a lot of extra time to do a podcast, even though most of my episodes are only an hour. And who really doesn't have an hour? I guess I could stay up later. But <clears throat> this week's kind of been a free week. So I wanted to do it Monday or, or Friday. You know, but the podcast was every Friday. So this is going to be Thursday, Friday. I uh, have to go out of state. And settle, uh, be a witness to a civil court dispute. Uh, family matter. Uh, not gonna really fill you in, but that's why this is coming to you Thursday, not Friday. Uh, so, we're getting close to hunting season, everybody. And especially here in West Virginia, we kind of have a late open start date. For, we have kind of a late opening day, September 24th this year. I believe the youth season for archery is September 22nd, uh, or 21st through 20, or 22nd through the 23rd, and then the 24th all the way into December is, is bow season. Uh, as opposed to where I was living in Ohio, we start August. You know, we usually start early August, and, well, late August, August 27th, 28th, and then we go all the way up to February, and that, the last opening day, the last day of, uh, archery season, usually it's the last day of squirrel season, the last day, whatever, and that's just, Ohio is such a big archery state, and it, it's, Really, that's how a lot of money's made in Ohio is the archery because we're known as such an archery state. Here in West Virginia, there's great hunting, but it's hard. You got to hike through a lot of mountains. Uh, but in Ohio, it's an archery state. In West Virginia, we're pretty much a gun state, and the DNR looks at that. And so. I really just wanted to kind of make this episode a a good luck to all of y'all, all of the hunters out there, everybody that's listening to this podcast if you hunt. This is really a good luck. Hope y'all have a have a great season kind of episode. And I I hope that I have a good season. I've been seeing a lot of deer lately, uh, but my luck I'll see a hundred a hundred deer the day before opening day then opening day i won't see a single soul i won't even see a chipmunk uh but i've got a good feeling about this season i here in west virginia we're not really a big buck state but there's big bucks around here that you just got to get to them and not a lot of people get to them and a lot of people kill the small bucks and they never get a chance to grow the ones that could be monsters would you know a, a lot of people in ohio you're only given one buck tag so you make that special and you make that you know a good buck or you know the one that you see that you want to shoot you're going to shoot no matter if it's gun or bow in west virginia i think we're allowed four or five different buck tags we were last year i'm not sure about this year i really do need to check my laws this year because i've heard a couple changes 
<clears throat> so, that being said, for prepping for uh, hunting season, I want to make sure you all know this. Make sure you, your laws are in check. Make sure you're pulling a bow that's above regulation. Make sure you're doing everything correctly. And, you know, hunting season just isn't about... <clears throat> isn't about hunting it's about representing everybody when you walk in a store and you're wearing camouflage you are everybody thinks well he probably hunts because he's got camo and camouflage is associated with hunters or gi joe military if you're wearing marpat or whatever you, you they associate you with military or if you're wearing real tree or right now i'm wearing a black team real tree shirt everybody knows real tree is a camo brand or mossy oak or whatever and it's got a can and it's a camo shirt it's black with camo it's got it's black and it's got camo sleeve so people when i walk into a store people are like they hunt and before this i walked in to my gas station filled up my truck to go out of state uh and this girl was asking me hey uh have you been have you been squirrel hunting yet i was like uh no i've really been waiting for the first frost or actually the second frost uh so i haven't been squirrel hunting although i want to go and she said well my boys have been squirrel hunting they've got a lot they've got they've caught everything and it's got warbles what, what would you tell them i said and i told her it's simply right now almost every squirrel is going to have warbles uh i don't think it frosted last night in fact i know it didn't because i came out here about six o'clock in the morning and there wasn't a drop of frost so we haven't had our first frost yet and really we're probably not going to until the first week of september i mean first week of october even into the second week uh so she asked me well, what what should i tell my sons because they're really just wasting meat and i said you know you can still eat the meat although i wouldn't i don't think warbles cause a problem in the meat it's just an early season thing uh, even deer have warble on a black bear everything's got warbles on them and until the first frost hits or the second frost that's when they'll stop having warbles uh, <clears throat> so that's what I told her I told her just go tell your sons it's too early to not see warbles wait until the first week of october and then you probably won't see as many warbles or whenever the first frost hits uh so in via association i could have just you know i could have just found that shirt and i couldn't have hunted but when somebody sees camo and especially woodland uh well not even the classic gi joe camo i think that's called woodland but if they see real tree or mossy oak or whatever brand that you choose and they see trees and leaves and actual pictures of the environment and it's camouflage they're gonna think hunters and, and that's just association and so then you gotta represent hunters well make sure your laws are in check and when you kill an animal, guys, please tag it in. Uh, I know you kill a nice buck and you don't want to waste your final buck tag. I understand that. 
But you also have to understand that when DNR looks at information about hunters, and I apologize for the helicopter overhead, uh, when the DNR looks for information for the next deer season and how many tags they should get per person and how many deer you're allowed to kill, how many bucks, how many does, they base it off the number of tags that are turned in statewide. So let's say, let's say you see 500 deer this year and you kill two of them. Your buddy kills two of them. And let's just say you're the only two people to turn in tags. So the DNR is going to look and like, wow, only four people killed killed deer last year. The deer population really must have took a step down. And so then, because there's been years where I have seen CWD, EWD, blue tongue. I've seen all these diseases devastate the deer population here in the re- in recent years due to population, really. And, you know, but I can understand not being allowed to hunt deer. Uh, well, not not being allowed to kill as many deer on, on a day, on a year that uh, blue tongue or CWD, EWD, whatever, whatever disease it may be, MCD, MDD, whatever the disease is. I can understand that because the deer population takes a loss. And then the tag numbers. But if your friend turns into, you turn into, your buddy turns into, let's say there's 20 tags turned in in the whole state of where, if it's West Virginia, Ohio, Virginia, South Carolina, North Carolina, uh, Tennessee, Texas, wherever you live in, California even, whatever, there's 40 deer in the state that are turned in tagged in legally took and, and let's say out of those 40 10 of those are bucks and 30 of them are does and let's say 20 people killed you know so 20 people turned in tags 40 tags were turned in so that leaves about that not every so that means about one in one in four if my math is correct killed it here so, they, they look at that, the DNR in the state looks at that, and they say, wow, the deer population's really taken a considerable drop in numbers this year. And so then they say, alright, for the next five years, deer hunting is banned. Uh, deer hunting is banned, even pest hunting of deer is fined, legalization fined by jail, just like killing an eagle would be and then for the next five years the deer population even though it was great the the year you've seen a thousand deer the year before and in 2003 whatever how many deer you've seen but nobody turned in tags so the dnr looks at that and they think wow we need to outlaw hunting or or at least ban it for a while until the population reaches a significant amount of, of seeing or I, we see enough deer and we have enough deer documented across the state that would say alright we can allow hunting that may never happen most of my deer I see around the same time every day either going to work going to school returning from 
work. It's usually early in the morning, late in the evening, and I might see one or two throughout the day. And so, let's say you're in an area that is just a tra- isn't even a travel spot, is a bed spot, or you're close to a bed, the deer bed down. You may never see a deer, and they may be right beside you, in, 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 or, or close to it, and the DNR would never know. And so then, because a bunch of selfish, you know, a bunch of selfish hunters that didn't want to pay the extra money for the tag, ruined hunting for the whole population of hunters, of the, let's just say, the... Out of the 300 million people that live in the state, the 20 million hunters that are out there, that's just a number. It may be close. I, I'd say there's got to be close to 20 million. And it looks bad, is what I'm trying to say. So, always tag in your deer. Or, or your squirrel, your turkey, whatever it is. Always tag it in for the consideration of others. And, you know... I always tag in my deer, and, you know, you know, if my buddy runs out of tags, I'm not going to tag in the deer for me, but let's say I always tag in the deer that I kill, and, you know, even if you tag in for a buddy, what if he never turns his tag in? It's still, even though it's one versus one, it's still the DNR still looks at it. It's crazy. And we're back. I uh, my buddy just pulled up, uh, so I had to interrupt the podcast for a minute. I uh, one thing that I do want to get across, not just for hunters. This is really the trad voters of America and, and across the world. Because I've seen one or two trap bowyers like this page that are from Canada and, and other places in the country and other places in the world. So as little as this podcast is, it still reaches a worldwide audience. And so the next thing that I would say is... When you're preparing for hunting season, and I, I've probably already done an episode about this, and this is going to kind of transition into the next topic, is preparing your bow, having the right kind of bow, right draw weight, being overbowed, underbowed. Uh, really, what I would say is get a bow that you're comfortable enough shooting. Like, I, I can shoot, I have. Uh, exactly 28 inch draw length it was I, I was saying 29 and a half in earlier episodes but I, my dad has a ridiculous draw length I think his draw length is like 31 inches he's got a ridiculous wingspan so if my draw length was 29 and a half inches that would be so I just decided may, maybe something's not right because and my dad's draw length so long, and he's only, uh, he's only, he's several inches taller than I am. My dad's 6'2", most of my brothers are like 5'7". I am one of the tallest of my family. 
and my dad's 6'2", so I, he's got a 31 inch. Why would I be pulling 29? That's only two inches longer than his. So I went to the bow shop and they measured my draw length. It's exactly 20, 20, 28 inches. So, and the bow I was shooting last year is 27. So my draw length is probably 27 and a half, 28 inches, depending if I'm doing everything right. So make sure you have, for trout archers, it doesn't matter your draw length. What matters is you have a bow that is at the right poundage, poundage for you. And you know, you for a, a, a compound bow, there's a moment of lockout that if you hold the bow back as long as you can or, or at the maximum length, it has a lockout. All compound bows do they have a moment of lockout and that's usually the correct draw length is the moment of lockout but trad bows and long bows specifically and not just long bows uh recurve any kind of traditional bow that doesn't have a wheel cable limb pulley axle it's a stick and a string you can literally pull that bow back until it snaps or the string gives way you can you know if you have a 32 inch draw length you can pull that bow back to 32 inches no problem and 32 inches is a ridiculous draw length most most people are probably 26 27 uh or well most people are probably 28 that's why they measure it at 28 inches it is probably the average. It, I'm saying is the average draw length. And so if you've got a 30 inch draw length, which is, is is long, but it's not as long as 31, obviously that's still a ridiculous amount of draw length. And it gets hard to find a compound bow because my dad has, <laughs> like I said, he's got a 31 inch draw length. He's got gorilla arms. He's got monkey arms. Uh, and he's got a long draw length and he was pulling my boat back the other day and it was hard for him to pull back because once you get past that 28 inches a lot of bows you'll experience stacking but and I his bow has interchangeable parts and you can adjust the draw length in the field if need be so I adjusted the draw length to my draw length and that was the smoothest bow I've ever shot and I'm not really a compound shooter anymore I used to be but I love you know his bow is super smooth it's an elite uh, I think it's a synergy uh, I, but I know it's made by elite archery and his is a really nice bow I actually like the bow and I, I don't like a lot of compounds but you know, my dad experiences shoulder problems, shoulder pain, so he's he's only pulling back about 45 pounds, and that's all you really need. And my dad's one of the best archers I know, so yeah, and so you don't need to pull heavy drawings. But that being said, if you want to, sh being overbowed and underbowed is. One of the debates in archery that cannot really, it's opinionated. It's an opinion-based argument. 
but here's my opinion on it, and it may differ from somebody else's. So, I think being a little underboat is, is probably correct. Me, I can pull 70 pounds back, no problem. But the limbs on the bow I'm actually holding in my left hand and the microphone that's in my right hand, the bow in my left hand is 50 pounds. So, 50 pounds. That's underboat for me. But I can comfortably pull it back. No problems. I can pull 70, no problems. 90 pounds, yeah, I might have a problem. 80 pounds, yeah, I'm probably going to have a problem. You know, but 70 is comfortable for me. But to be overbowed, number one, I'm going to pause this, guys, until a helicopter passes. My Alright, guys, the helicopter's passed. My apologies. I live eight miles from an airport so there, there's a lot of traffic but anyways being overbowed causes a lot of problems that people probably don't even realize that it's a problem and, and being overbowed is a problem in a lot of ways and number one it develops bad shooting habits and number two it develops inconsistency. So if you're pulling a bow back at 70 pounds, as you're, as you're pulling up and you're uh, grunting and moaning and uh, you know you're you're making Rambo noises, just trying to pull your bow back. Number one, all that movement in the stand is gonna alert predator. It is gonna alert deer. It's gonna alert whatever you're hunting, that and that big swooping crap in the grunt that's gonna alert deer, you know. And I'm a guy who lifts weights, so I know groaning and moaning is part of lifting heavy and whatnot. So So that being said That being said, uh, but having a bow that's a, a real spring, nice, smooth, consistent draw, a, a nice, simple, just a mushy, is the analogy Ted Nugent uses, a mushy draw that you can perform every time given any circumstance. That's perfect. That is the correct setup for you. And there are ways to get around, you know, if you have a problem pulling your bow back, yeah, go to the weight room, hit the gym, do whatever you can to better yourself, but don't overbow yourself, be a little underbowed, because when you're underbowed, it's more critical, it's a more critical art. You have to really think, oh, am I am I gonna miss? Am I gonna, you know, what what's gonna happen when I'm pulling this bow back? I gotta be nice, consistent, boom, perform a shot well every time. And even with an overbowed bow, that is actually probably less critical, but it might be more critical in some ways. <clears throat> and <clears throat> so everybody should have a draw length that they're comfortable with. And it's not that hard, guys. I, you know, 
and a lot of people see, and I love Cameron Haynes, not talking any shit about Cameron Haynes, but the problem, I'm sorry guys, I just dropped my mic, the problem when a lot of people see Cameron Haynes, and I love that Cameron Haynes is inspiring people to do things that are great, I love Cameron Haynes' mission, and yeah, he's inspired me, but... A lot of people see that and say, well, why does he shoot that much? Because he can. Because he is an absolute beast. Because he can. And because he wants to. So, him for him, 100, 100 pounds is nothing. Which is amazing. All respect to Cameron Haynes. And then there are haters of his. I'm not a hater. I'm a lover. I I love Cameron Haynes and his philosophy and everything that he does. So, why did I bring Cameron Haynes up? He is a perfect example of a freak of nature that can pull back 110 pounds or 120 or whatever his ridiculous weight is. He can pull that back and get away with it. And then... There are some people that can't. And 70 pounds is heavy for some people. And especially in the traditional world, most bows don't go over 60. (coughs) And that's the truth. So, being... Being overboat is a bad thing. It develops inconsistencies in your shooting. And it develops just bad habits. So, when you come in, when you start practicing, I've got a pair of, I think they're 30-pound limbs that I used to practice with. And that's just the early season. And getting ready for the hunting season, it'll start February. I'll start shooting with the 30-pound limbs, and then I'll work my way up to the 50s. And it doesn't matter. I can pull back 50 pounds any time of the year. If 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 I had a broken shoulder, I could pull it back. But that's not the point. The 30 pounds is when I, you know, when you start off in the year, and let's say you haven't shot in two months, you're going to be a little rusty. So you might as well practice on something that's easy for you to pull back and easy for to learn. And after you get good with it, then move to the other one. And that that's really the point. I just use that as a step up. I'm not telling you all how to shoot, how to hunt, how to anything. How I do it, how I do it, it was what works for me. And that's the thing about trad archery is what works for me might not work for Joe standing beside me. Uh, it might not work for Jane, Jane Doe, or John or Jane Doe. What works for John or Jane Doe might not work for Billy and Bob, Billy and Bob Smith. And <laughs> that that's the whole point of it and what works for Billy and Bob Smith white might work for John or Jane Doe that's the thing with traditional archery it is so confusing it is so hard to master it, you know you're never you can quote unquote master traditional archery but you never know everything about traditional archery you know because there's so many variables and projectile not projectiles variables and 
There's just so much different things that you can try in traditional archery. And to master every one of them would take you lifetime. But the thing that I want to get across this episode is choose the right equipment. And that's my main thing. Choosing the right equipment. And this, you know, getting ready for hunting season is the most important thing for me right now. And I uh, really am kind of running out of time. I really only have like 30 minutes to spare today. And tomorrow, because uh, I've got a pack, uh, I'm bringing my bow. Uh, while, we're up, while we're up in Ohio, I'm going to visit a little bit of family in Ohio. And my cousin who owns a farm that he can shoot out to probably a thousand yards if he wanted to. He does with his gun. So, I'm going to... Oh, and I'm practicing with it. And, you know, if you really need any, any information, alright guys, if you need any information on traditional archery or just a question if you're, if you're a compound shooter and you're interested, personally contact me. The email is huntersampson99.hs at gmail.com. Feel free to email me anytime you want. Uh, other contact information, I, I, I really... Uh, check out my website, troutarcherypodcast.com.wordpress or wordpress.com. Check it out, guys. It's really not that hard. Uh, I, I'm going to try to produce two hours next week if I can and there's about an hour that goes in produ- into producing 30 minutes uh, so really guys have fun while you're on your journey have fun hunting shoot straight and y'all practice 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 makes perfection and that's really all I wanted to say I wanted to get across on this episode like, share, subscribe. It's on Pod Podbean, the one and the only. This is probably the best platform for getting your podcast across. If you all want to start a podcast, I. Uh, so, thank you, thank every listener, and hey, I want to give a shout out of a certain product. Uh, this is a new thing, kind of inspired by the Trad Archery Podcast, uh, PBW Podcast, Trad Archery. Trad Archery, Trad Archery, and TBW, Trad Bow Hunting and Wilderness Podcast. I wanted to give a shout out to Bear Bows. They, they are, pro- in my opinion, they're the best bows. I'm not paid to say this by any company. The Bear Bows, if y'all, especially traditional, the best is Bear. And... Another shout out I want to give out to is Muzzy Broadheads. I've used Muzzy Broadheads all my life. And not all my life. I'm shooting Grim Reapers right now, but I'm going to get some Muzzy Phantoms because they are the baddest Broadheads ever. Uh, Any Broadhead will really work, but I love Muzzy, and I recommend you all give it a try. Like I said, like, share, rate, subscribe, leave a comment. Uh I'm not affiliated with any companies. I am one rambling idiot that is obsessed with traditional archery. And y'all have a blessed day. Peace out.